This is the Koinos Community Church Podcast. Subscribe so that you can join us regularly as we look to find ways to close the gap between who we are and who God longs for us to be. Have you ever been to court? Anybody? For any reason whatsoever? Um, I've never been taken to court. You'd be glad to know that, probably about me. Um, I did have to go to a hearing one time. I, I went to. A, I don't know if I. I can't remember now if I had to go or I just went because I was asked to go by the mom. Because there was a, a young man in my youth group back in way back. This was a long time ago. Not here. I didn't have a youth group here anyway. But he and another guy, another young man. These like middle school kids. They set fire to a. Br- under a bridge at a construction site. They were supposed to be at youth group at the time. So they got in a little bit of trouble for that. Um, Arson, felony kind of stuff or whatever. But anyways, I think it all ended up okay for one of the young men, the other young man, maybe not so much. But anyways, so I went to court for that one time for that hearing. Um, Early on in my life, I hate to use these two words in the same sentence because I know it's like saying Voldemort, you know, because you're not supposed to speak the name. So you don't say jury duty because then I'm going to get a summons in the mail tomorrow to go show up for jury duty, right? But I went to jury duty um, back, oh wow, this is the early 90s. We lived in Houston and it was fascinating to me. You had to go down into Houston. We lived about 20 miles from the city center, which is amazing because that's just a huge place and we still lived in Houston. Um, But went into this trial. I'm 23, 24 years old. Um, the young man who was going to be on trial was sitting in there, and he looked a lot like me, about the same age, probably same socioeconomic class, all those types of things. I didn't get picked for that jury. I wasn't a jury of his peers, apparently. You know, and I didn't say anything that would have that I would have thought disqualified me. But I, I didn't have to serve in that that realm. I do remember the pros, not the prosecutor. It was the prosecutor that I don't know. It was so long ago. That's thirty years ago. But I, I remember the one of the lawyers was kind of this typical, what you kind of would think of a stereotypical Texan lawyer, like you might have seen on the, on the show Dallas or something like that back in the day. And he had kind of this, this big mustache. It may have been a Tom Selleck mustache or it may have been the actual full goatee. And he was blustery and he talked and he gave all the stuff. And I'm kind of looking, listening to this guy going, okay, you're, this is all just a big show, right? And so sometimes that's what, the courtroom is it's this this show somebody's performing to get you to do these certain things have you all seen you've all seen different courtroom dramas and movies some of you guys watch the the shows on tv uh law and order or la law back in the day or boston legal or it, there's been so many and it always makes it more exciting than it really is or suits you know it makes it look sexier than it really is right um and so there's all these courtroom dramas when we're watching like the verdict or uh the lincoln lawyer and it's always a little bit more intriguing than it really is because usually it's just people filing in and out and doing their thing and here's, here's the evidence, here's what I did, okay, you got time served or you got to do whatever. And it's pretty boring stuff, generally. Although sometimes it gets pretty exciting and that's the ones we see on TV or like make it onto court TV and they show in perpetuity. But we've all had this sense of what a courtroom is like or what we think it's like or what, we, what it might be like. A couple of kids back here are going to have to go to for jury duty one of these days, even if they don't want to. They're going to end up going, I'm sure. But we all should show up for those types of things. 
because that's part of how our legal system works. Now, today, as we look at the passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jesus use lots of legal terminology. Um, I don't know um, if he had in mind a courtroom, but you'll see words in here over and over again that remind us of courtroom, testify, testimony, witness. Um, I think he, has, he uses the word evidence. All those types of legal terms that we would see in a courtroom drama, um, and it's unfolding before our very eyes in this story. But before we get into that, will you pray with me? God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight and helpful to those who hear them. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So up until this point, we had Jesus had performed a miracle. He performed a sign. And in John's gospel, there's six signs plus the resurrection. So there's seven signs. This is one of the signs that's happened. It happened on the Sabbath. The religious authorities didn't like that because you're not supposed to be doing certain stuff on the religious day, where for us, every day can be a spiritual day. But he also kind of put himself on level footing with God because he called himself, um, he said God was his father. They didn't like that very much uh, because they thought of kind of Abraham being their father, but they wouldn't ever necessarily connect God as being their father specifically. So they didn't like that very much. Um, and so they're not really questioning him at this point, but it says they want to kill him. Um, and he gives what we might call, like in a courtroom drama, an opening argument, a reason for why he is doing what he is doing. So I'm going to kind of move into that. And it says, it, so we'll let, let's look at that a little bit. It's going to be a lot of scripture today, and we'll kind of intersperse a little bit. Um, but we won't be here forever, I promise. It says, in verse 30, it says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek to do not my own will, but the will of whom, him who sent me. If I testify, my, by my, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies on my behalf, and I know that his testimony is true. So Jesus is kind of establishing the veracity of what it is to, 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 to have a testimony to be, or to bear witness or to see what's true. He says that what he says is not true, which I don't understand fully, and I might have could have done a deeper dive on that, but I'm guessing he had something to do with, well, because there wasn't somebody else verifying it, like, a physical person verifying it, then it wouldn't have held up in court. But nevertheless, he says that there's somebody else that testifies about him, and his testimony is true, kind of like an expert witness. He says, but he's, so his testimony is not necessarily valid at this point, um, but there's another one that testifies about him. And a testimony is saying what happened and what I saw. Right? We used to teach kids to kind of tell a little bit about themselves, to tell their story to people so that we can kind of talk to them about who Jesus is in their life. We talk about them. This is, this is what my life was like before I started living for Jesus, and this is what my life has been like since I lived with Jesus. And so that's testifying. That's saying what it is, saying the things, the facts as you know them, right? And those facts as you know them may be different than the facts as other people know them, but they're your facts, they're the stuff that you know about yourself that you're telling other people about. And that's what, that's what Jesus is doing here. What he knows, what he's seen, what he hears is what he does. And that's his testimony. He says to the people that are standing there in the next verse, he says, You sent messengers to John, and that's John the Baptist. And he testified to the truth. Not that I accept such human testimony, 
But I say these things so you might be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you are willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But I have a testimony greater than John's. The work the Father has given to me to complete. The very works I am doing testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. So he begins to lay out the evidence. Here's John who testified to the truth. Jesus is going to say later in this Gospel of John that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So John's testifying about the truth, who Jesus is and what he's doing. He tells them why he's doing it. He's doing it to save them. They've heard all this stuff before, but they didn't listen. And Jesus is like, I'm here to tell you what you missed. A few weeks ago, we had a little series on adventures and missing the point. This is a little bit of a continuation on that because these guys obviously were missing the point. They liked some of John's message. John was pretty hardcore, right? He would talk about, you know, fire and stuff like that. And they liked, they liked to hear that because that meant somebody else was going to get burned. But Jesus was like, I don't know. We'll have to see how that plays out. But they liked some of, the John, some of John's message, but they couldn't align them, themselves with all of it. Because John pointed to Jesus. John, we don't know where John is at this point. Um, In the other Gospels, it talks about John going to prison and having his head chopped off by Herod because Herod wants to please somebody that you really shouldn't be worrying about pleasing, but he does it anyway. And, you know, life is expendable in biblical times, kind of as it is now. And John's life was taken way too soon. So they liked some of John's message, but not all of it. But John was testifying. He was kind of one of those expert witnesses. He knew who Jesus was. He understood who Jesus was. And he spoke about who Jesus was. It got him in trouble. He didn't perjure himself on the stand, though, apparently, because he's just like, he spoke about me. And then in verse 37, it says, And the Father who sent me has himself testified on my behalf. You have never heard his voice or seen his form. They're not going to like that very much. And you do not have his word abiding in you because you do not, do not believe in him, in him who he has sent. That's a little complicated, but you, you, you've never heard his voice, you've never seen his form, and you don't have his word abiding in you. He's telling them they have no inkling about who God is or what God is about. He's talking to religious experts, people who are very familiar with what was called the Torah, the book of the law and the prophets. They knew all that stuff inside and out. He's like, you guys don't really know God. We run into the same thing today. Um, I work at a rather large book chain, and we have lots of religious material, right? Lots of Christian, I'm putting the air quotes on there, Christian material, and we have stuff that we call self-transformation. And there's I don't know, thousands and thousands of titles. Self-transformation is kind of like, um, uh, it's mystical type of things. Um, what is that called when you, um, you manifest or you kind of do those different things. Um, and then it goes into paganism and witchcraft and the supernatural and the paranormal and tarot cards and crystals and astrology. And that stuff all, is very popular, and it has, there's something to it that people might derive a little bit of benefit from, I guess. And then there's the Christian side of the store, which some people might derive a little bit of benefit for. But again, you have all this material, and a lot of this material has really nothing to do with who Jesus is and what Jesus is trying to say in our world. 
some of the Christian stuff that we have on our shelves. I have no, no, no input on, I have some input on what we could put on there, but what I put out there might not sell. And so I'm not going to just order a whole bunch of books for, for our general public. And so I try to stay away from that. But the stuff that's in there, Jesus could be saying the same thing to some of these people that write these books and make this money off of Jesus' name, off God's name. Because they're saying stuff that Jesus would have said to them, you don't abide in me, you've never seen me, you've never seen my father, you, you don't know what his word is about. And so we deal with the same stuff now. We have people who propose to be religious experts or know stuff about something that's hidden or needing to be revealed and they don't really seem to know Jesus. Um, and they lead a lot of people astray. And I'm not just talking about the stuff in the self-transformation witchcraft stuff. I'm talking about people who we might know as household names in our Christian circles that really aren't helping people love Jesus and do as Jesus did. I think that's where Jesus is going with this. He says, you search the scriptures in verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. If you know your Bible, you must have eternal life. And he's like, nope. Lots of people know lots about the Bible and they are cruel, unkind people. It says, you search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. And they testify on my behalf. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from humans, but I know you do not have the love of God in you. It becomes quite evident when someone has lots of knowledge about a certain subject, or especially when, you, not just in religious realms, but in all kinds of realms, when people are experts, um, they tend to, there's a, there's a tendency to lose that sense of humility, um, openness to learning new things, and when we as a church get to be like that, then people don't want to have anything to do with us. And so as we think about what the scriptures say, we have to see that Jesus, what Jesus is saying here is that you don't have the love of God in you if you're not following after me. So it's a scathing indictment. You know, who is on trial here? You've, I don't know, the adults in the room have probably always have at least seen, at least once in their lives have seen that play out in a film or a TV show or whatever, where there's a witness on the stand and that witness is there to work for the prosecution or for the defense, either one. And the judge or the, or the prosecutor or the defense attorney has to say, well, the witness isn't on trial here, right? The, the courtroom people aren't on trial here. The person that we're trying is on trial here. And so for Jesus to be persecuted, to be the one that they want to kill, he may be in, on trial in the religious leaders' minds, but he's putting them on trial. He's laying out the evidence for why that they, why they are outside of, um, I don't know if it's a legality, because we don't want to say that necessarily, but why they're outside of God's will and God's love for them. So Jesus isn't the only one on trial here. In that scripture, they would pull out the minutia, but they would miss the point. He says, I've come in my father's name and you do not accept me. If another comes in his own name, you'll accept him. How can you believe when you accept glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the one who is alone as God? Do not think I'll accuse you before the father. 
Your accuser is Moses, on whom you have set your hope. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe what he wrote, how, you, how will you believe what I say? They didn't accept him. If another comes in his own name, we'll accept him. People are selling books. They're coming in their own names. They're selling books. They're making money. I don't know that Jesus made any kind of money. Um, he had some people that supported him, right? He didn't write any books. And he didn't seek glory from anybody else. But you've seen, you've seen the books. You've seen the, the covers of the books, the back covers of the books. It's always that posed kind of stuff. It's like, whatever. If you're a nice-looking person, put your picture on the back of your book. Fine, right? But are you seeking your glory? Are you seeking the glory for God? And then he says, if you believe Moses, you would believe in me. And I had to look this up because I, 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 I've seen that before. And I'm like, Moses talked about Jesus? I didn't get that. But he did. And we won't look at that specifically, but you can write this down or make a note of it. In Deuteronomy 18, he says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You'll heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when I said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God anymore or ever again see this great fire, I'll die. Then the Lord replied to me, they're, they're right in what they said. I'll raise up for them a prophet like you from among my own people. And so Moses testified. He gave, bore witness to Jesus hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus made his appearance on planet Earth. So what do we do with the evidence that we've been given? You know, imagine yourself in that courtroom. If you're on that jury... You know, and everybody has to decide together if they're going to convict or acquit. What do we do with the evidence that Jesus is laying out for us? We believe what we want to believe. We see that all the time. People believe all kinds of crazy stuff and all kinds of valid stuff. In spite of the evidence laid out before them, in spite of science or actual facts as opposed to alternative facts or whatever, in spite of the words somebody utters, in spite of what a politician says versus what a politician does, in spite of what a preacher says instead of what a preacher does, or the pundits, or anybody else. But what instead did Jesus say? You know, I heard recently that some pastors have been mocked for quoting Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, if someone strikes one side of your cheek, you turn the other cheek to him. And the people that are mocking these pastors that have used this type of terminology are like, that doesn't work anymore. And my thought on that is, we must not be doing it right. Or we expect that to end favorably, favorably for us. But if we look at the life of Jesus, he didn't expect to win. He expected his life to go a certain way. And he didn't have to win in the moment to win out. Can we bear witness? Can we share with others what we've seen and what we've heard? What happens when we search the scriptures? Do we find Jesus there? Or are we just looking for something that will provide comfort for us or help us prove a point for ourselves or for somebody else? Does it help us love others or does it help us condemn others? It's a lot to think about. 
There's a lot of evidence that Jesus has, has put out in this passage. If you can, we're, we're finishing up John 5 today, um, and there's lots there to unpack. It's not really in story form, so that makes it a little bit complicated for us to kind of think about. It's a little bit more of a, an essay, I guess. But Jesus gives us a sense of who he is and what he is trying to do. Where he, who he follows and how he follows his father. And it's not just about all the things that you know, it's the things that you do. Um, that's what the testimony is. That's what testifying is. It's what I've heard and what I've seen, and what I believe to be true. And so that's what Jesus lays out in this day that he has in court. We pray with me, and then we're going to... Thanks for listening to the Koinos Podcast. If you like what you hear, like, subscribe, and share it. You can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at CC and on YouTube at Koinos Community Church. Until next time... Be well, do good, and love others.